Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today's episode is on the all-important issue of money that's needed to fight the COVID pandemic and on the sharing of funds of tax revenues between center and the states. A running theme during this lockdown period and of the handling of the COVID pandemic in general so far is that decision making has been largely centralized while the fact is that it is the states that bear responsibility for the real frontline battles against COVID-19. So we look at the sharing of funds between center and state governments and take both a long-term and short-term view of this issue. Even before the COVID pandemic hit, what was the balance like between state and center? At different phases in our history, there are ebbs and flows toward greater decentralization or greater central control. So at which juncture do we happen to stand now? And then more immediately of course, it's a fact that states are desperately short of funds. especially so now with economic activity being almost absent for the past month and a half so how can this problem be addressed my guest today is m govinda rao an economist who was a member of the 14th finance commission he is a regular columnist for the hindu on these issues we link to one of his recent articles in the show notes today in fact and he has kindly given us time for this different medium this different forum of discussion today Mr. Govinda Rao, thank you so much for joining the In Focus podcast today and making time for us. Ah, uh, you're most welcome. So, sir, there are uh, two aspects to you know the question now of um, transfer of funds between centre and state. The first is the immediate context of the fact that during this COVID nineteen crisis, many states are suffering um, a funds crunch. Um, so that I think we'll talk about that in the second part. But first, I just wanted to get an idea. You know, just going back a few years, has there been has there been a change in the way uh, this relationship has evolved has have, do you see a, a more kind of centralizing tendency where the center tends to keep takes more control of funds and spending well um you know this happens in phases sometimes um, you know there are much greater degree of decentralization and there are there are other times where the central government wants much greater control so this has been the history of this country in our um, scheme of things you know the when we were working in the finance commission one of the things as far as the fiscal issues are concerned one of the things we wanted to do was to rebalance uh, the entire union state financial relationships and in the process of doing that you know uh, we did um, try to remove the, the discretionary element or minimize the discretionary element in in uh, grants what we did is um, you know you know this is known to everybody now we increased the share of the states because number one with the abolition of the planning commission the transfers had to be done by the finance commission and number two you know we found out that union government spending on the state subject had increased from 13 to 17% over a period of 6 7 years and similarly on uh, union government spending on um, concurrent subjects also had increased so we wanted to rebalance the entire fiscal arrangements and that's why we gave for, you know sort of we recommended 42% uh, 
of the divisible pool to be given to the states. But then, the, but what the government did is very interesting. That what it did is they tried to nullify this in two ways. Number one, all the future, all the subsequent to discretionary changes in tax policy, they did they did it through cessation and surcharges, which is not shareable with the states. And then they increased the share of the states in the centrally sponsored schemes grant. So you know, you see this. This is a sort of a, so. In, at the end of the day, you know, one of the important things is whatever the finance commission tried to do, the total amount of grants which have to be given is basically determined by the central government. And the finance, if the finance commission increases the share, you know, they try to wriggle around it. And um, if you, for example, if you see now, although the tax devolution. Um, you know, sort of uh, should be forty-two percent, but then you will see that only thirty-five percent is uh, you know sort of goes to the states because of uh, you know raising revenue from cessation and surcharges. So this is an issue that you know sort of that goes on. Um, central government always wants more discretionary funds. You know, the total grants, you know, their transfers will not be you know they'll not be much. But then central wants much greater discretionary grants, and that you know which is which is given through centrally sponsored schemes. So when you have more of a general purpose you know transfer through tax devolution and grants by the finance commission, central government loses that discretionary power. So, sir, one thing that's uh, really changed the, the big change in the tax structure over the past few years has been the GST, and um, this was supposed to be, you know, when it was first introduced, it was supposed to, at least as advertised, lead to a more equitable arrangement and sharing. How has that actually worked out? Well, I mean, um, that's a very novel uh, experiment in that means one way, one way, if one want to look at. It. But you know, you also should know that when uh, whenever you insist on a, a you know sort of decision by consensus, you know there won't be much serious decisions. Now the problem is they had hoped that the revenues will increase very fast. You know, the GST will turn out to be a money machine as it have it has happened in many other countries. But it didn't happen because you know their their technology platform is still infirm. They are still not able to get their technology platform right. And in the absence of a technology platform, you know, GST has become a voluntary tax, and then obviously the compliance has fallen and the revenues have fallen. And now, with the COVID-19, there is a much more serious issue. The states are not able to do anything. The GST compensation says is not adequate. Revenues have fallen. The, the states are not able to get the promised compensation of 14% increase in the in their merged taxes. Now they don't have any money, and uh, and they really have a huge problem. H how this is going to fan out? I think the center will have to come out and then bail them out. Basically, you know, I mean, the center has given them the tax devolution, the compensations, you know, sort of compensation for the loss of revenue only up to November. That means that you see, you have still about five months. They have not received the five months compensation. Now that is putting a lot of pressure on the states. Now, ultimately, it's not that the the thing has been centralized, but at the same time, these decisions have to be taken have to be taken at the GST council, and they have to resolve this issue. And you know, if necessary, the central government they if necessary they have to borrow money and give the compensation to the states because at the end of the day, it's the states which are in the forefront fighting the uh, COVID war, and if they don't have resources. They, you know, there will be a huge problem. 
So, sir, just to circle back to one thing, um, you had spoken about the recommendations made by the 14th Finance Commission, of which uh, you were also a part. And we also spoke about how the government circumvented some of those recommendations. Now, the 15th Finance Commission has uh, submitted its first report. A second one is still, I think, still a way down the line. Um, what has been the tendency there, do you think? I mean, if you can comment on what, uh, how the 15th Finance Commission uh, differs from the 14th. Well, you know, by and large, I don't think 15th Finance Commission has made any departure in the first report. So they actually maintained the share of the states and gave them 40% of the 41% of the divisible pool. Now, obviously, you know, the variables keep changing. And, um, you know, obviously, some of the states have grown much faster than others. And um, the shares of the states will change. They bring about, brought about small, some minor changes in the tax devolution formula. Um, but then they have also said that going further, they are going to give some performance grants and some sector specific grants. Now, this is um, a bit of a, a serious question because 14th Finance Commission deliberately desisted from giving these performance grants because, you know, you have or, uh, or sectoral grants because you already have a number of sectoral grants given under the centrally sponsored schemes. Now, you are coming up and giving additional sectoral grants, many, many of them on the same sectors as the, the centrally sponsored schemes are with some pointed or specific um, uh, you know, performance requirements. I mean, I must also add that the terms of preference of the Finance Commission has tried to nudge the Finance Commission to give you know, sort of less to the states. And there has been a very series of statements in the terms of preference, which basically you know, want that the, the center's requirements should be given a preference in the, in the division of uh, taxes. Um, and it also ask, goes on to ask, whether the revenue deficit grant should be given at all, you should consider. But um, so there has been a lot of nudging. But um, the Finance Commission so far has not yielded to that nudge and it has been fairly, uh, it, it, it has really taken an objective view of things. If I can just ask you, sir, to just elaborate on the concept of these performance grants and sector, sector grants, just for our listeners who are not uh, totally familiar with these terms. You know, what happens is that um, Finance Commission, when we did it, we basically said that we are only doing the balancing of the uh, revenue requirements and expenditure needs of the states. And then we, you know, avoided giving any sector specific grants. But now what has happened is, you know, I mean, the terms of reference basically wanted uh, the Finance Commission, one, to take into account to various performance requirements of the states in some of the areas. And the other thing that I think the Finance Commission itself, decided that there are some very important areas which should be prioritized by the states. In order to prioritize them, they said that, you see, we should give them sectoral grants. One of them is grant for nutrition, which was recommended for this year itself. The other uh, sectoral grants given are for, um, you know, basically for health sector, you know, creation of medical colleges and basically involving the you know, private sector hospitals, you know, in, 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 the, in the scheme of uh, things. They also recommended grants for police training and housing. There is a grant they have recommended, they will be recommending for the, some of the railway lines with the state government wants and then maintenance grants for the Prime Minister Gram Sadak Yojana, which is a, a centrally sponsored scheme. So the states have been uh, saying that, you see, they don't have the money to maintain them, so they want to give money for that and then money for pre-primary education and some, some grants for judiciary. And then also there is some grants for developing 
you know, district level statistics. And the performance grants, basic incentives include the grants for implementation of agricultural reforms, uh, development of aspirational districts and aspirational blocks, power sector reforms, enhancing trade, including um, exports. So, and then of course, the incentive for uh, education. This is something which has to come in the next report. The first report, and the, except for the nutrition grants, they have not made any specific grants. Okay, and as you said, in the 14th Finance Commission, you uh, consciously avoided, um, you know, going down this route of giving performance-related grants. Mainly because, um, you know, we thought that, um, you know, we are giving sufficient money for the state government to undertake the task that they are required to do. And then central government in any case has considered some priority areas and already introduced centrally sponsored schemes. So there are almost 28 umbrella schemes. And I think rather than taking money and then unnecessarily diluting, um, giving, spreading the resources thinly, it's better that you see whatever they want to do, let them do with the centrally sponsored schemes. You know, I mean, when the central government does it, they can initiate performance indicators and do whatever they want to. And then, of course, the we, the Finance Commission doesn't have a wherewithal to monitor any of these because ultimately right. the monitoring has to be done by the central government. So let's just let's just come to the uh, current situation, sir. So uh, the states were supposed to get a certain amount of tax uh, that was to be shared with them, but that has been over the years kind of diluted, circumvented through various uh, through various means. Now we have ended up in a situation where several states don't have the funds now to. You know, they're, they're at the front line of battling this COVID-19 pandemic, but there is an issue where they don't have enough funds. Now, the center on the one hand can say, look, taxation revenue ha is going to be low now across the board because the economy is slowed down. But aside from just, you know, transferring taxes, ta the share of tax revenue, how, how else can they help states, you know, uh, raise funds? Let me, you know, give you some numbers. Yeah. You know, basically, you know, I mean, even before the COVID-19 came, there was a bit of an imbalance. The, yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at the estimates, the, the tax devolution is done under the 15th Finance Commission's recommendation. And yeah. that is for the year 2020. And if you look at the projections of tax revenue of the center made by the 15th Finance Commission and the, project, and the projections you have in the budget estimates, the budget estimates are substantially lower. They are lower by about 6%. So, in other words, even before anything happens, I mean, if you look, compare, the state governments are likely to get 71,000 crores less taken together okay. now in the tax devolution. On top of it, but if you take the actuals of the previous year on which the budget estimates are sort of made, the difference between the actual of, la of last year and the revised estimates of last year, which is the basis for making the projections for this year, there is a difference of 19%. Actuals are lower than the revised estimate by 19%. In other words, in order to get the budget estimate of the present year, current year, the, the revenues would have to rise by 33%. Tax revenues will have to rise by 33%, which is completely impossible. Now, you know, you have the situation of COVID. And in a situation of COVID, obviously, we don't know what the growth rate will be. Of course, we yeah. are all economists. We, we pretend as we are all astrologers, but that apart. Now, my good friend Shankaracharya has said that, you see, the IMF projection of 1.5% real growth is ludicrous. But in any case, the point that I'm trying to say is that most of the people think that, you see, there will not be any positive growth. 
and even if you settle at zero level, you know, growth rate, I think that's that will be a great thing. The government of India's projections were based on 10% growth over the previous year, and that is not going to happen. If you assume that the revenues are likely to grow, tax revenues are likely to go by 4% because they assume a buoyancy of 0.7. But assume that you see they are grow by they will go by 4%, even if you take something like um, you know 1% positive growth or 1.5% positive growth. The tax devolution will be less by 2.5 lakh crores for the states. That is for right. the current year. Their own revenues are likely to shed. Obviously, in the last month, there hasn't been any revenue. But, um, I, you know, there will be a shortfall of somewhere about 20 to 25 percent in their own revenue. And at present, they are actually scrapping the barrel. They don't have any money and they have to spend a lot of money right away. Because yeah. they have to spend the money on saving their lives and livelihoods and eventually basically, you know, sort of to help the small and medium industries and, and the like. So you have a very serious situation. And obviously there are states like Kerala which have come out with the 20,000 crore uh, uh, package, but then they don't have money. They have uploaded, you know, sort of front loaded the borrowing. They went to the market and then the yield cover went up very fast and it went up to 8.96%. Now, what is, you know, there is a huge problem. So Punjab chief minister has written to the prime minister saying that, look, you work out, since the finance commission is there, you ask the finance commission to work out what is the loss going to be and give us a COVID grant, give every state a COVID grant so that you see they can manage. But that is in the works. I don't know whether that will happen. Now, at least at the moment, if you give at least one percentage point increase in the borrowing space, you see the state government can't go and borrow any amount they want. You know, they, they can only borrow up to 3% of their GSTP because that is what the FRBM allows. Now, okay. we, even if you take the escape route, just as the, cent, the state has, the center has taken, which is half a percent of G, uh, GSTP, even then that has to be permitted by the center because Article 293 of the Constitution says that if the states are indebted to the center, they have to seek the permission of the center to borrow. So, which basically implies that the center has to give them a borrowing space. And I, there is no other way because at the end of the day, the center has to come out with the package because that is where the money, you know, money will be. If it doesn't have, obviously, it will also will not have. I mean, of course, they are, they are raising about 1.5 lakh crore from, from the petroleum uh, products from yesterday's um, measure. But yeah. quite apart, I mean, which is not shared with the states, mind you. I mean, this is all in terms of the additional duty and then sets. So this is not shareable. As compared to the state, center has better endowed. Number two, state center can borrow. Center has much greater capacity uh, as compared to the states, and you can't allow the states to go bankrupt. I mean, they won't. I mean, obviously, that is not possible in our system, and therefore, um, I think a much greater accommodation is required. And the states are doing their bit. In fact, they are deferring their capital expenditure. They are cutting down. They are cutting down on the the wages and salaries by postponing or deferring the wage payments. In fact, Andhra Pradesh and Telangana and even Maharashtra has actually deferred something like 50, you know, 20 to 70 percent, 75% of the salaries. And in fact, yeah. Punjab, they are, I was told that, you see, they will be able to pay the May salaries, but they don't know what will happen to June. You know, that's the situation that we are in. Even Kerala, which is a CPM rule state, has, you know, sort of taken six days salary in a month. They are deferring which they will be, you know, paying after six months. So there is, a, I mean, they are doing a lot of things that they can, but um, I think that with the greater center's capacity, the government of India will have to wake up to the situation. And perhaps just to sum up, sir, if you could um, 
can can we sort of break it down into a couple of points what can the center now do to help the states in sort of just to sum up now the basic thing is that you see up front one of the thing that they need to do is that announcement to the states that you can go, you know borrow up to 4% of gst instead of gsdp instead of 3% so that you the states have the comfort that they have that borrowing space available when they want it number one okay number two they should ask the finance commission to work out a covid grant you know basically you know to 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 see what all the total loss that the states have undergone and ask and obviously the finance commission would work it out and then distribute it in a in, a, in an objective manner so that you see the states don't lose out on the entire scheme of things and then they are ready to uh, meet the contingencies that they are they are uh, confronted with these are the two major things that they do they have already increased the ways and means advances uh, to 60 this thing that helps them helps the states uh, in uh, you know planning their borrowing calendar better uh, you know the money is not much but helps them to when to go and borrow so that borrow at a cheaper rate rather than paying 8.9% or 9% of uh, interest rate these are some of the things that we need to do and um, i the entire thing has to be done in the spirit of cooperative federalism and this is the right. time this is the time where the center you know in fact you see most of the decisions regarding covid is being taken at the center they have to empower the states to do it because it's the states who know where the you know where the hot spots are how they can really come out of these things i think it's important to give them the comfort and confidence so that they can fight the battle better thank you sir i think that was very succinct um we'll end the we'll end the conversation there we'll end the podcast uh, thank you once again for making so much time for us today thank you thank you very much 